punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are most again! Howdy. Welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined once again and as always by Nesson.com's Mike Cole and Lauren Campbell. Uh, guys, what's happening? Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, welcome back, Mike. Thank you. Right. I uh, had a great week last week. Thank so. you. Um, I don't know why I said thank you. <laughs> I, I took that as an insult to me. So, it, and uh, I guess Lauren, I mean, for that matter, she must not have taken it as personally as I was. did. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you need to recharge your batteries, and I've just got a lot of stuff going on. A lot oh. of coals in the fire, no pun intended. All righty, Rue. Uh, let's move on from Mike's life. Uh, that might be true. Uh, let's see. So we last met last week, last Tuesday, as we do every week. Um, and at that point, let's see. Had the No, the Bruins were in the middle of their bye week. I'm looking back at the schedule, and I'm like, did they really only play two weeks? And I forgot that that's something we complain about every week. So uh, only two games, which was a back-to-back since the last time we met, a 5-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers, and then they got uh, bushwhacked by the Calgary Flames 4 nothing at home. Uh, back-to-backs for both teams. I guess you can't really say, the well, they were drained from the back-to-back because, of the, you know, if you're going to complain about that, you also can't complain about having five days off. Um you know, not a whole lot to glean from two games across seven days. They're about to uh, go on a little bit busier of a stretch. They play the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow, that being Wednesday, then the uh, annual Black Friday game against the Rangers on Friday. Uh, Sunday, they have the Vancouver Canucks, and then by the time we meet next Tuesday, they will be getting ready to play the Detroit Red Wings again. Um I guess we'll start with the Flames uh, game because kind of the bigger story, I don't know if you can call it a story or rather a collection of manufactured takes, was it it was the Dan Vladar game. It was his return to TD Garden. Um, And it's obviously not a great situation when he is posting a shutout. Now, he didn't have to do too much through the first 40 minutes or so, but he posts a shutout. Jeremy Swayman has arguably his worst career or worst game of his NHL career. Uh, a lot of it wasn't his fault, but that is just the reality of it. And so then sparked the, well, did they make the right approach? Was it smart of them to get rid of Vladar? Couldn't they have just done Vladar and Swayman and not signed Olmark? Uh, a lot of, I guess, revisionist history going on right now. So I guess we'll start with you, Mike. Um, you know, is there anything to take away from the way Vladar played the other day? Are you second guessing anything right now? Not any more than I already have. Um, I, which is very big of me, I might add. You've been a swayman. Uh, I well, like I could from the beginning. I mean, I consider I could sit here and say, well, the fact that Vladar played well and has played well lends credence to the fact that they could have gotten away with making Swayman the starter. And just gone with him and Vladar, which is not something I would have advised, especially with any uncertainty regarding Tuka Rask. I will say that. Like I think that's that's a, even that was a little too risky for me. Um, uh, oh, it doesn't help that Swayman didn't play very well the other night either. That doesn't help my take. Uh, so kind of yin and yang there. Um, but it's I clearly don't, the anomaly. Yeah, and I, I, 
For Swayman, at yeah, least. Right. I don't know about Vladar. I, I don't know enough about goaltending in the NHL to have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, you know, and the Flames are like a sneaky wagon. And I only say sneaky because they play in Alberta and we don't sure. watch a ton of them here. I mean, I, I was incredibly impressed with the Flames. People within the league probably have a much higher. Uh, um, much higher uh, opinion of them than, than I do just because I don't I don't watch a ton of them. Uh, I was trying to look up some numbers, but I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's just like it's – Swayman would have posted a shutout on Sunday night with that defense and that layering in front of him too. So I don't I don't read too much into it now. If anything, you know, I still think they did pretty well for themselves with that trade because um, I just – I don't know. We saw Vladar at points last year when they, they weren't – completely buttoned up in front of him where he didn't look great so no i don't the question was do i second guess any of it yeah because of one random sunday game in well, november i mean you've also seen what a month now and vladar has been mostly good Mark i first Strum's guessed everything so i don't know what you want like yeah. i you know i've i don't know is your question I, I more anything is your question more about vladar or is it a referendum on like the, what the bruins did it could be any direction you would like to. i wouldn't second guess any of it no Lauren? I also would not second-guess anything. As well as Vladar has been playing, and Swayman's played well too, but Logan, you and I talked about this last week, how the Bruins can't seem to beat good teams, and Swayman can't really seem to beat good teams. He's lost to Calgary. He's lost to Carolina, Philadelphia. Um, He played well against Dallas, but other than that, he's won against Ottawa, and they're not very good, the Devils, Montreal, and I mean, I'm not saying that Swayman's a bad goalie by any means, but it's almost like it's the Bruins. They can't beat the the good teams. Swayman's a net for all of those. Not not that I think Allmark would be miles better. They have similar numbers there, but I think it speaks more to how Jeremy Swayman's playing over like more so than Vladar with the Flames. Yeah, I think that Swayman is probably more of a microcosm of the Bruins as a whole to kind of drive your point home there, Lauren. That like. He's he. They certainly have not lost any games because of Swayman. They maybe have stolen a game or two uh, because of him. But you know he hasn't had a huge impact on their season. And I think the same thing goes with Vladar, where it's like he's been a perfectly capable backup, but he's also not there to be their number one. That's why they're paying Jacob Markstrom a crap load of money. Uh, and, and I also think that you have to kind of think of it through the lens that we would have thought about it back in July had they not signed Olmark. Like, you mean to tell me people would have been completely at peace with the idea of two basically full-time rookie goalies uh, with no certainty that Rask was coming back? And a lot of people are spinning it as, not to make it sound like a straw man, but there are people who spin it as a take of like, well, they could have used the – four million or five million whatever old mark makes uh to go get a defenseman it's like who are they getting like i the market was incredibly dry unless they were going to swing a trade for oliver ekman larson which was going to be stupid um and then otherwise it's what you go and get in alex goligoski or something like that i just i think ultimately they made the right decision even if you can second guess it like for a team that is aiming to compete it would have been incomprehensibly stupid to not have a very secure backup plan, which is what they got in Olmark, somebody who wants to be in Boston, who probably signed below his market value relative to where he was when he hit the market. Um, so I don't think there's really a whole lot to second guess there ultimately. Could have signed Dougie Hamilton. 
they could have signed Dougie Hamilton, right? <laughs> if you save the five million on Olmark and then uh, three million on Forbert, then you just have to clear out a little bit of cash. I saw you got I, that actually. Back in Boston, that was a take living on living above Mike's pastries. That was a t- take on the radio the other day, <clears throat> um, which is where your straw man probably comes from. Uh, saying, you know, they shouldn't have signed <laughs> Olmark. They shouldn't have signed one of the centers or one of the forwards and used that money to sign a defenseman, which is like an, a fine idea in a vacuum. I just don't know which defenseman you want to sign. If well, they right. Weren't really, uh, I don't know whether the, the depth of talent was there, <laughs> you know, other than like Hamilton was the best defenseman, but no thanks. Like been there, that was never that. happening anyway. Right. So. Um, I'm just looking at like free agent lists. Yeah, I like Alec Martinez maybe. Like yeah. But like that felt like that deal happened so fast it felt like that kind of was earmarked from the beginning anyway. Sure. So I don't know. Yeah, I I, I feel like I just railroaded the conversation <laughs> with that. No, point, but, but there there's I just don't, this was not the summer to do it, I don't think. Yeah. Which maybe is why they signed Olmark. Maybe there's they think that they can trade him at a certain point if they needed to. I, it is a tradable contract yeah. if they ever needed to. Which, if that's the if that's the plan, actually, like then that kind of makes sense. Like that's real forward thinking. It's just trades are not a guarantee. That's the thing you got to find somebody who's willing to trade you. But they're just like, well, we have this money. Let's just use it on a goalie, and we'll shore that up for a couple of years and go from there. Yeah, I don't know. It, it works either way, right? Because you're getting. I mean, I know Mark hasn't been incredible this year, but you get a. You know, a positive impact goalie for right around market value, or maybe even a little bit below. Yeah. If you want to trade the contract, you can. Um, you know, it's not some albatross deal that's unmovable. Uh, so they position themselves well. And if you get a good version of Olmark, then you get a good version of Olmark, and off you go. Um, there is just a logjam, and I don't know if they think Kyle Kaiser can be an NHL goalie at some point. I think Vladar is probably. Would always earmarked as sooner being the guy, but I don't know. There's a uh, a little bit of reason to think that they ultimately made the right move. For me, it all it comes down to the fact that like I don't know who they would have gotten uh, it, it, had they not done these deals. That's yeah. what basically negates the argument. I mean, maybe Jamie Alexiak, but it seemed like you know, yeah, I know you and I both wanted Jamie Alexiak, Mike, but it seemed like he he was always destined for Seattle. And so I don't know. It's easier in a vacuum. Any other thoughts on that? No, I think that, I think they made the right decision at the end of the day. Yeah, I think they did too. I mean, it's also one of those things where we're we're not going to know for a while either, right? right? Like Vladar was a third round pick. They got a third round pick back. So basically, you got you know Vladar who you got to develop, and basically he became your mop up duty goalie for a while. I mean, that guy got put in some really crappy situations but is what it is. Um, so, all right, I'm glad that this is a non-issue for us. But um, the other, I guess, this doesn't technically fall under the umbrella of a roster move, is yesterday, Monday, Bruce Cassidy had to field questions about if it's time to move David Pasternak and get him going. Apparently, we've talked about this before. You two say we have. Literally two weeks ago. Okay, well, I don't know, maybe – I don't know. Maybe I'm just a moron, but we're going to talk about it again because it's topical. Yeah. Um, and I have talked myself into the idea of that second line being a wagon. If you have Hall, Coyle, and Pasternak, and then you probably move Craig Smith up to the top line and then Nick Foligno to the third. But basically, Cassidy's stance on it was 
I want guys to get going first and have people healthy so we know what we're looking at before we start completely causing upheaval with our bets line. So he didn't dismiss it, but he also said it made it seem like it wasn't going to be anything imminent. Um, do either of you have a particularly strong belief on if they should or should not move him? Um, not particularly strong. I wouldn't be opposed to it, though. I think that the Bruins, are, they're much better than how they're playing right now. And I don't know if it's Pasternak getting moved. Maybe you get Craig Smith going a little bit by pushing him up to the first line because he hasn't played all that great. Some of it's due to injury, and then he played through a little bit of an injury. Then he was missing games. But maybe it's getting him next to Bergeron and Marshan and get him going. Pasternak gets motivated because he got bumped from his line get him going and then the third line just kind of meshes together it might be worth it I mean I know Cassidy wants to wait and like get guys going but I think get them going by kind of mixing things up and taking them out of their comfort zone how long can you wait too right Right. we're quarter way maybe not so much maybe the Bruins aren't quarter way through their season yet but it's getting to the point where you have to do something we're almost in December now he's not going to be like oh we'll just wait till January Eh, February Eh, it's almost playoff time so we're just going to keep this yeah. You've got to do something sooner rather than later. Let me just jog your memory, Logan. Taylor Hall, first liner, mean anything to you? Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> but that was talking about, wasn't it moving Marshawn down? Yeah, I I actually don't know how you would do it. I think that was more of just like a idea we concocted too, right? Well, I think that was more like shuffle up and deal oh well there's that fan in carolina or florida who had the note on his phone that he was right behind the bench and said like hall posternock bergeron and it became like a meme it was just a sad looking dude holding his phone up behind the bruins bench begging cassidy to put hall on the first line oh we thought that we should let random fans program our podcast now we talked about um it is a little different i will give i'll grant you that uh, and I don't think Hall – the Hall idea probably doesn't work unless you want him playing on the right side. And I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, which I don't know why you would bother doing that. Or Marshawn on the right side. I don't know if I would do that. Uh, so I guess the Craig Smith thing is the only Cra- – Craig Smith the other night, that goalie scored. It's like, okay, yeah, that's – you put him up there and he does that, then you're in business. Where right. It's like on the rush, beats, his, beats the man, just fires a shot over the glove side. It's just sick. Um, he is a delight to watch. Yeah, when he's he going well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I I'm running out of <laughs> running out of patience. Seems like a mean way to put it. <laughs> but, uh, it's just not working. So you got to change it. Like, I what are we doing? Like, it's Thanksgiving. Um, I know that that I don't want to change the line when it's going well is fantastic. It's not going well. Sample size is getting bigger. Um, they're not even like generating a ton of chances if yeah. i'm not mistaken um i don't know what the numbers would say so that's pretty alarming uh Pasternak, I, if he's healthy i don't know he went through you know, a hell of an off season i just something it might be worth trying a fresh look and trying to figure out what what's gonna get him going i don't even need i wouldn't even present it to him as a demotion i don't think it yeah. would be looked at as a demotion it's hey we're going to try to change things up. We think you can benefit by doing this, and here's what we want to do, and here's how it's going to help you. I think that's how I would I would send that message to him. And I think it would probably be well-received because he doesn't – I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy – and I don't even mean this in a negative way – who is overly motivated by those sort of 
exterior things. Uh, or, you know, I don't think he would look at that as a slight. I think he'd be pretty open to the idea. Um, and I think well, I've Bergeron earlier in the year looked bad and maybe this is, that's a, an impetus for keeping him, keeping this line together as a little, Hey, Patrice went through it. Maybe David's going through the same thing, but like Bergeron looks better. Marshawn's been the best player on the team. Maybe other than Charlie McAvoy, it feels like Pasternak is the issue here. Or at least the guy that makes most sense to kind of change, change up and see if you can find lightning in a bottle somewhere. Yeah, well, you can do that without causing so much upheaval elsewhere. I'd give it like a week to 10 days before we start to see something concrete from Cassidy because they've, I mean, they're about to start playing every other day for an extended stretch here for pretty much the first time this season. And so at that point, if you're still not generating chances, especially, you know, you're going to play. Maybe that helps, by the way. It's a, I think it, it does. Yeah. I had, that's actually, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm no, have at it. That is something that I, I wanted to stress at a certain point today or when we convened next is like maybe it is like we look back a month from now, month and a half, and be like we, there was no way we could judge what we saw in the first two months of the season because it was so irregular. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that gets a guy. Maybe for a goal scorer like Pasternak, having that regular – Schedule back helps him find his group. Pasternak's definitely a scores in bunches kind of guy. That too, too. yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and I would imagine. Oh, I'd love to ask him this. Like, as a goal scorer who score, scores in bunches, did like is it harder to find the bunches when they aren't bunched together? Yeah. Like, games. Is it more important to be out there every day, or is it more? Is like it, games or days? What are we talking here? Right. Like, I think it's more like days actually. Yeah. That might have made no sense, but it made sense (laughs) in my head. Sorry, go on. I'm going to tie myself out. They've only played 15 games. I didn't realize they played so little games when Toronto has played 20. I was about to say, yeah, there are some teams that are like 20 or 21. Um, Yeah, I mean, it might be a schedule regularity thing. I think you have to kind of see through the next 7, 10, 14 days where you can no longer lean on that excuse and be like, well, we just played seven games in 15 days, so now – we actually have a better sense of what's happening. If I, that would be my mindset if I was Bruce Cassidy. Um, but you can't wait forever. I mean, the, the, the lightning, the Leafs, the Panthers, like these are all teams that could start running away on you relatively quickly. I mean, if the playoffs started today, the Bruins would be the second wild card over the last five full seasons, 77% of teams projected from playoff spot by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Clinch the playoff D magazine. Right. I think I had seen that. Which is, it comes up every year, but it's talking about the stars and the same sort of thing. Where it's, and it's something we've heard for a few years now. I know it's a big thing. Gonna have to go back to the radio, but Felger and Maz talk about it a lot. Is where are you by American Thanksgiving? And if yeah. you're not in the playoff field, you're not going to make the playoffs. Which seems ridiculous, but the yeah, number. I mean, it can be short sighted. Sure. I mean, it, it's not like the Bruins are, you know. A mile out of the playoff race, they're they're not. There's also a reason Montreal. Like, the games continue after Thanksgiving. Sure, yeah. the playoffs do not start. I mean, Friday. The, the the American Thanksgiving point might even be less so right now because the Bruins have played so few games. I mean, they have sure five games in hand on some teams, and they're only what three, four, five points back. So there are chances to catch back up and eat some points. Five points. Five points, right? Of <laughs> five teams. In between, oh yeah, the Lightning and them, or excuse me, I guess it's only three teams between them and Pittsburgh, but yeah, and they have five games, <laughs> three games in hand on Pittsburgh. So I think it kind of feels like they're running out of runway, but that's probably a little bit 
overstated. Um, I, I think they just need to figure something out, but they're hitting the point now where it's like they're, they're running out of excuses. I mean, they have pretty much everybody back healthy. It seems like Trent Frederick, if he's not available Wednesday, he's available later in the week, probably Friday. Um, and then you'll have had Felino, Smith, Lazar, all those guys who have been dealing with injuries rolling for a little bit, um, which I guess does kind of – uh, two more notes, if you will, areas of discussion on guys going in and out of the lineup and moving around is I think Anton Bleed has looked very good, uh, very high motor. Cassidy, I don't know if this is just him being coy or what the deal was, but he basically said Bleed's just doing his job and didn't make it sound like Frederick has uh, been leapfrogged on the depth chart. I don't know. The, it, having a fourth line that's really rolling has been very important to the Bruins in the past. And if I were Cassidy, I, I would not think that Frederick has played so well this season to justify disrupting perhaps your most consistent line of the last week or two. Yeah, I think if it's working, you don't try and go and fix it. I think that Bleed's played well and is given Cassidy reason to keep him in the lineup. It's like Zaboral kind of, yeah. he, he has reason to keep them in the lineup. It's working. They see, everyone seems to be playing well, that fourth line, like you said. And not that I think, I mean, I'm not calling Bruce Cassidy dumb by any means. Not that he'd be dumb to put um, Frederick right back in the lineup, but it would just not be wise to disrupt what's working well right now. How often, Logan, you watch this a lot closer than I do. How often has Trent Frederick, Frederick had a string of games where he's done what Bleed has done the last two weeks or whatever it's been. The start of last season, probably when he came. So out it's like really hot, but the he ceiling obviously is higher for Frederick than it is for Bleed, in my opinion. But like, if you're a fourth liner or whatever they're playing him as, like, you got to do. They, I mean, there's. It feels like every game there is at least one or two scoring opportunities, and they turned one of them into a goal the other night. I forget which game it was. Where it's, it was the uh, Philly game. I yeah, believe. yeah, it was unbelievable. Like picture perfect yeah. fourth line, puck in deep, four check. Guy takes away the defenseman, erases the defenseman. The other guy comes down to support, steals the puck away, or grabs the loose puck, puts it in front to the other guy who's just kind of snuck in behind everybody else, and they score a goal. Like, there's no skill involved there. Well, I guess that's kind of. I mean, it, it was, was a nice a, finish a nice, from yeah, Nosa because he was. He so took I don't want to with his skate. I don't want to completely it. downplay it, but like they have those opportunities once or twice a game. It feels like from that fourth line, and a lot of that stems from a player like Bleak going into the the grimy areas and winning a puck battle. And I just don't remember seeing that a ton with Trent Frederick, which might be unfair to him, and that might be the result of like when you think of Trent Frederick, you think of like him you know, going after Ovechkin. So, like, that stuff kind of, his reputation precedes him in that regard. So maybe he is doing those little things. I'm just not paying enough attention. That's why I asked you about it. But I just, I, I feel like Bleed is playing perfect complementary hockey for a fourth-line winger right now, and you got to roll with that. Well, two things. One, I think that the a developing take I have is that the book might be out on Frederick, where last season – Subban, Ovechkin, Wilson, like all these guys did not know how to handle Trent Frederick. And he very clearly starts vibing, if you will, once he's getting under guy's skin. And it seems like guys are getting far less annoyed with Frederick now. And that makes him a little bit more invisible. And then I think the other area is that they seem to trust bleed a lot more as a defensive player. Like I, I saw something the other day that 
per 60, I think Bleed gets like seven more defensive zone starts than Frederick does. And if you're going to have a fourth line, like it, Bleed just seems better suited for a checking role than Frederick does, which puts Frederick in a weird spot because he's not this high-impact playmaker. But if you're sheltering him a little bit and preventing him from having all these defensive zone starts where Bleed, you just send him out there and say, do whatever you want, uh, that creates a bit of a problem for Trent Frederick. But – I don't know. I mean, bleed the way to what you were saying about the uh, the goal the other night. I mean, if I was coaching youth hockey, I would just watch or make them watch that. On it is repeat. so cliche, but that was like one of the things I thought. I was like, this is just like because yeah. that was what like right out of a coaching video. That was what like Corrali Nordstrom Wagner did really well. Was it was just that was where they created all their offense and you know Wagner had a career year doing stuff like that in 2018 and 19. So. I don't know. That line is proven to be very disruptive, and so they might as well keep it that way. Uh, the other move is it looks like Grizzlick is going back with Charlie McAvoy, uh, and then they're putting Derek Forbert with Brandon Carlo. Um, Bruce Cassidy, interestingly, brought up the point that a point I have actually made many, many times is that Brandon Carlo was at his best with Zdeno Chara. Um, and Zdeno Chara is obviously more of the stay at home type, and so. Part of the thinking for Cassidy was not only could playing with McAvoy get Grizzlick going because he hasn't been that great this year, but putting Forbert with Carlo could help elevate Carlo a little bit because he seems to be a little bit better with either a true stay-at-home guy or an elite puck mover like uh, Tory Krug. So any qualms with the way they're approaching things? No qualms. I think, you know, we discussed last week that it's almost as if, well, I mean, I said it, that Derek Forbert almost seems like the odd man out. Just like, where does I he play agree. best? Who who does he elevate more? Who can elevate him better? Because it wasn't McAvoy. So I'm glad that they are finally getting away from that. And uh, hopefully this works, because if this doesn't work, I, I just don't know what else is going to happen or what the next move would be. They are... They're, uh, I guess this is a cumulative stab, but expected goals <laughs> against uh, their first in the league. It feels like it's been uglier times than <laughs> a lot of recent seasons. Well, it's every too. It's well, weird. So, they look like, like they're giving up a billion high-danger chances, then they're like the goal, second in the league in expected goals against. Goaltending's not as good this year, so True. that's kind of a problem. So you really have to put, button this up. Um, I, I don't know. I, I hate to sound deferential, but like – I don't know anything about defense. So, you know, I are these guys comfortable together? Sure, check, whatever. <laughs> are you going to feel good going out there? Like, are they complementary styles? Sure. Um, at this point, nobody has really, except for one pairing maybe, has looked good on a consistent basis. So, at this point, you're so far gone, just throw it all in the blender and keep going. Forbert Carlo might never get the puck out of their own zone. So no. talk about a pairing that's <laughs> going to get hemmed in. That's uh, the thing is like I don't know. So I don't. But like what are the, I? This is ugh. this is such a like semantics thing that it really doesn't matter. But I would say Zaboral Riley or Riley Zaboral is technically the second pairing there. Um, yeah. As opposed to Forbert Carlo. But, I mean, that's, that ultimately doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think they're just trying to figure out where Forbert fits. And I don't know if that's a, a Forbert issue or an everyone else issue or what's like, the problem. Well, we keep talking about it, yeah. so it might be a Forbert issue. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you've got to look inward, right? And I, I think 
they just hoped he would be better in the supporting role for McAvoy than he had been. Um, I, I, he's a hell of a goal scorer. Yeah, he is. I mean, he has more goals than the rest of the defense. So, like, it, it's weird because I would agree with lo- what Lauren was saying is, like, yeah, he's probably the odd man out for me. Like, if I'm listed, if I'm power ranking them one to seven, Forbert's probably seven for me. But just where where do you put him? Are you really going to do, like, Carlo Clifton? Who comes in? I, I Clifton. <laughs> Unless you're calling up Vakanainen or a Sean. Or Brady Lyle, friend of the program. <laughs> but, That's where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> just call always, Brady Lyle. Answer is always Brady Lyle. Yeah, I, he was a great interview. I mean, I know. Cl- <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't love the idea of Clifton either. So you're kind of no, stuck. No, I don't here. either. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. Got to figure it out. That brings me back to my Danny DeKaiser take. Go trade for Danny DeKaiser. So now I am. Yeah, <laughs> Carlo Forber, third pairing. Yeah. Figure it out, guys. If you can't, we'll readdress in a couple of weeks. But because yeah, I the Riley's the moral has got me feeling all kinds of good about <laughs> watching defensemen play hockey. I like that. I think that's yeah. working. Yeah. Zaboral's playing really well right now. Yeah, um, you can't take Zaboral out. And that first pairing, fine. You roll from there. You see, like, can we get forty-five minutes out of these two <laughs> pairings or whatever, plus special teams, and then we'll we'll go from there, or forty-seven minutes or whatever. Well, so Lauren and I talked about it a little bit last week, so we don't have to completely relitigate Great. it. But. Um, I think Zaboral should be with McAvoy. And at this point, I think you have to look at Zaboral as what you were hoping Vakaninen would be. Um, and so, you know, I think the vision for a while was Vakaninen's your top pairing, you, left side guy, and McAvoy's on the right. Why not try? Do you think that would affect uh, Riley, though? Because Riley's been Dep- kind of uneven this year, too. And it feels like he's played better recently. Yeah. I mean, you can put him. Um, with maybe that's anecdotal. You can put know. him with Carlo, which worked at times last year, but was it's tough because well, it's like if R- he's going to turn around Carlo, then like if Carlo's going to drag him down, that's tough too. Well, Riley came back and looked way better after the series of healthy scratches, but he was playing with Zaboral. So it's like, what was the difference? Was Riley playing better? Or was it because he that's was playing saying, with right. Zaboral? Yeah. So that's kind of tough to tell, but I think you're looking a lot better if you're doing Zaboral McAvoy. Riley, Carlo, and then Forbert and Grizzlick, yeah. which might not get the most out of Grizzlick. But, again, it, it's just shuffling chairs and seeing what happens. Um, so, I don't know. By the time we meet next week, we will probably have a bit more clear of a picture of what everything looks like because they'll be playing games consistently. They'll have pretty much everybody healthy. Um, and we'll be here to talk about it all and have – I don't know, sometimes overly curmudgeonly or overly optimistic takes. Uh, Anything else? Nope. 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 All righty. Well, have a great Thanksgiving. Um, Acting like I'm not going to walk out the door with you guys right now. But how about to our listeners, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, this has been Ness and Bruins Podcast. It's Lauren and Mike. I'm Logan, and we will see you as always next week.